rising. Arizona Sports is proud to present the Uprising Podcast, hosted by Kellen Olson. Uprising Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the Uprising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I am Kellen Olson, your host, joined as always by Jake Anderson. Jake, we thought we had some big rising news to discuss at the top of the episode, and we're going to get into it, the injury to Jason Johnson, of course, but we're coming off the craziest Champions League week ever? It has to be. You had two catastrophic blown leads that I don't think anyone could have predicted. Especially as a Roma fan, what they did to Barcelona last year, I would think I'd be even one to believe, but I couldn't believe what I saw today. It's fascinating how the narrative changes too because at Anfield it was just the magic of the building and just the crowd was going nuts and everyone seemed like they were at a party like the, the hey hey and every uh, missed touch or whatever when they still had to score one more goal to and win everyone, yeah. and everyone was already in celebration mode in the crowd it was it was really strange but it's kind of one of those the spirit of all that and then you turn to today and just a collapse for Ajax at home because Spurs is on the road. They get throttled in the first half. I mean, it was Ajax should have put it away, in my opinion. It was similar to the 20, 30 minutes of the first leg. Maybe mm-hmm. not as dominant, but they Spurs just did not. It was more that Spurs sucked. They were not good in that first half. But then they dominated the second half. I don't know if Ajax thought they were already in, but it's almost like Spurs are better on the road because yeah. look what they did to City. All on the road. It's It's weird. Deli Ali is one of my favorite player archetypes. I'm always going to love the six foot two, six foot three playmaking midfielder who can just have runs of force like that. Musa Sissoko was a guy I adored when Newcastle got him. I support Newcastle if you don't know, and then it didn't turn out so well there for him. But he's had a good season at Spurs. But Deli Ali had two different plays, uh, two different assists, I should say. And the first one was that huge run of, uh, run up forward. He flicks it behind to himself and then lets Lucas run onto it. But on the goal that Lucas scores, his touch which one uh, in the ninety fifth <laughs> in the ninety fifth minute the the winner the last one the winner the touch was just insane because it's one of those touches where if it's two feet this way or that way it's going to an Ajax defender. But he put it in the perfect spot. Lucas buries it, and now we're looking at an all English final. It's crazy. And we could even have an all English double final if Arsenal and Chelsea were to get to the Europa League final. Oh my gosh, I'm not even I'm not even that deep on it yet. Look at you, man. Tomorrow, uh, we'll talk about it next week, man. I'm excited to. I was personally just really excited to see Ajax in the final because of the style of play that they have. But it's hard to argue that Spurs aren't fun to watch, and it's hard to argue that Spurs, Liverpool, and of course all the storylines there. Harry Kane's probably going to be back. Uh, Mo Salah, Bobby Firmino probably back too. It's going to be exciting. But on to less exciting news. Um, One of the things that we have talked about with Phoenix Rising and one of the biggest strengths of the team we could undoubtedly say was their depth. And one of the guys that really had to play into that with the signing of Junior Flemings was Jason Johnson. He is going to be out four to six months. And we just saw it against Orange County, Jake, where Solomon Asante is out. He has to step away for personal reasons. And they don't have Jason Johnson to turn to because he's injured. And now it's it's one of those games and one of those situations where it's like, oh, I'm so glad we have Jason for this moment when we're, we're not going to have Asante. Um, but they didn't have him because he's out. And it's just it's just a huge blow for someone who's been so consistent for them uh, the past two seasons. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. I mean, everyone has been it's – a, it's a huge blow. And you definitely saw in the last match where – because you haven't been practicing without your two big playmakers or two of them and and Solo and JJ, you're not going to have much time to get some continuity with that. But 
it's kind of next man up, and it's going to look like that might be Joey Calistri. So he's a new signing, so we will actually get to see him play more. He got his first start in the last match before he was just kind of coming on in the last few minutes. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, what Joey Calistri will bring to the table. We'll finally get to see him. To go back on what I was talking about a couple minutes ago when we introed into the Jason Johnson section and themes of the season, the one for me is just the breaking through the walls, what I keep saying. It just feels like they're they're going to get there. And for it to come at this point where they lose to Orange County, and I, we'll get into the Orange County game in a minute or two, but I felt like they were outplayed in that game, and it was one of the few stretches of their season so far, their young season, of course, where I thought they were outplayed. And for it to come at this moment when they really need a boost from Jason Johnson, a type of game where he comes in the 60th, 60th minute and gives them... Creates he, a spark. Yeah, creates a spark, which is what he did in the beginning of the season. He gave them two draws early in the season, essentially, with that play. And now they don't have that guy. I'm, I'm really concerned about um, that because of the strengths of the team like we said depth and a lot of it had to do with bringing junior flemings and getting jason johnson on it puts much more pressure on asante and flemings to be on their game every week and they're gonna have to rely on those two guys more that being said two pretty good guys to have to rely on and it's at the the good news if you can call it that which i won't um but a silver a silver lining there you go thank you see look at you jake (laughs) a silver lining to draw out of this i would say is that wing is the biggest strength on this team Flemings and Asante, they're two best players, I think you could say. Um, certainly Asante is their best player, and after all, he was a guy that was going to come off the bench for them in their ideal 11. But that is looking that is being way too simple-minded and looking past how you have cup ties and you have times where you need to look at him. And again, we saw it was successful for them. They ran all three up front when Adam John went down. Mm-hmm. And now that option is gone too. So if John goes down or Asante or Fleming's one of those three, it looks like their number one option if one of those three guys goes down is gone for most of the season. Uh, I looked it up. Four months from now, there I believe are five or six matches left in the league play before... Uh, playoffs would start and if he takes it to six months I think even if they were to make a deep playoff run they would not be looking uh, up to his return so it's just really a devastating um, loss for them this early in the season um, of course it kind of starts to become a trend he had injury problems all last season and finally seeing him healthy was just great to see and now this happens and just to go back last year you had Chris Cortez who got hurt and when you're when you're strikers, when you're forwards, when the guys who are in in charge of putting the ball in the back of the net and they keep going down, it's just I know Shantz has, has got to be frustrated, and it's just something you can't control, and I think that's what the biggest frustrating aspect of it is. You have no control of injuries. I think that's a really good point to bring up to kind of end the talk on him because now they're one injury away from just they're they're shredded now. Uh, because depth, all of a sudden, one guy goes down. Now depth isn't your strength, and then you're one more injury away from it being your weakness. And if they lost Flemings or Asante for a couple of weeks, or hopefully not a couple of months, but if they went a stretch without one of those two guys, you start to legitimately be concerned about how their season's going to go because you always were able to rely on Johnson coming into those spots. That was one of the biggest strengths of the team, like I said, time after time. Um, but it's it's just a rough rough go uh, for them to to say the least so moving on to last weekend's game at orange county a 2-1 defeat i kind of teased it here in the beginning jake i just think that they they were not the better side they got outplayed in my opinion i agree it it kind of seemed like 
they couldn't put two passes together at times, and it was just, like you said, banging your head against the wall kind of thing. And you definitely notice in the second half they started getting it going. And, again, going back to last year just because, you know, you have a whole season's worth, Shantz was upset from time to time that the team didn't get going. They weren't fired up until the second half or late in the second half. He had to say something in the halftime locker room speech. So you kind of saw that. But again, when you're missing two of your big playmakers, yep. it's going to be extremely hard to even basically get on the ball. And if you look at the full statistics, it'll say that they pretty much split. But I think because they had the ball so much in that final 20 minutes or so, it kind of skews it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and especially the possession that Phoenix Rising had in the first 70 minutes of the game, a lot of it was in the back. And a lot of it was playing it around the back, playing it up the wings a little bit. And then whenever they played it centrally, I think they did not do a good job of retaining possession there and moving forward from those spots because you move it you move it in the middle, then you break it out wide and that's where the break starts and you start to push forward, crosses get put into the box and so on. And we just didn't see that. Um, Aguinaga was a guy that we talked about Last week, I think that he was fine in this game, but that was just a clear game where uh, we actually talked about this last week with Ajax of all teams, uh, Hakeem Zayak and his ability to just kind of go into the middle of the field and just free roam. Mm -hmm. We've seen Asante do that from time to time, and I think that's where they really missed him because I think in the 15th, 20th minute, he would have started to play more centrally and kind of not calm them down, but just really establish something Mm -hmm. because that was a problem is they weren't even establishing anything offensively uh, in the first half, and I think that... Um, was a shame because I talked about Junior Flemings last week and I thought he was terrific, especially in the first half. Every sort of quality that they had offensively came from him. He had that really long switch that led to a chance and then he had the cross into John that he nearly put in the top corner. Mm -hmm. And I thought he was great and I thought that just kind of showed the possibilities that they had. But I thought building through the middle um, as as an attack was the big weakness for them in that game. It might be their defining big weakness of the season going forward, from what I've seen at least. So another silver lining in that, mm-hmm. or at least actually, no, it's good news. John Beccaro has been able to come back and play for the team. And because he hasn't been practicing with the team in quite a while, it's understandable he didn't start. But then he comes on, and again, he came on, and that's when Rising scored. That's when Rising were pushing to tie the game to get that equalizer. And if you look at the stats for USL, Becaro is in the top section of it for created chances. And how many games has he missed? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And Solo leads the league in chances created. Didn't play last game. So, like you said, the strength is definitely on the wings because the winger type for this team is one that can cross in a ball, mm-hmm. which we've seen time to time that they can do that, or cut in and make plays. Yeah. So, again, we're, we're talking about the best players not being available. And to get to your central thing, I'm hoping that Becaro will become a regular. And I think if you have Becaro, you have Lambert, and then you know you throw Vega and Aguinaga in there. Um, Colin Fernandez is playing great, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Musa's kind of his backup for not wanting to play. Fernandez kind of had a couple of moments there where I was like, thank you. Like, getting the ball through Mm -hmm. to certain spots. Yeah, absolutely. So, Chance told us he doesn't want to have him running constantly. you got to get some depth in there and some switching. So, I think Baccaro might be able to alleviate some of the, I don't want to say panic, but the oh no feeling of injuries and, and whatnot. 
I'm far too familiar with this and focusing on it maybe more than I should because as a Newcastle supporter, their biggest problem for years has just been playmaking through the middle. That's where John Joe Shelby's inconsistency came in. And to bring it back to the Champions League again, Jorginho Wijnaldum was fantastic for Liverpool. And he was not very good at Newcastle. But for those who, to go back to something you would say last weekend, for those that watched, Jeannie Wijnaldum was not the problem. It was the service around him and just this talent around him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just connecting. And that's such a big part of the sport is being able to connect those. You can be as strong as you can be up front in those front three spots like they are. Mm -hmm. But they have to get the ball in the right spots to be able to yeah. provide there because junior flames is going to have the moments where again i thought he was great in this in this match i where he can inspire some things and maybe get you a chance here and there but for consistently throughout the 90 minutes you just need everyone else to connect and that's maybe the part that i'm going to be watching for most uh heading into friday's match speaking of friday's match real grand valley you were looking up some crazy stats they are informed to say the least is how you put it to say the least yes so they began the season only getting one point out of the first 12. Now, in their last five, they are unbeaten, and they have had 11 of the last 15 points taken. Now, what is so incredible about that is, in those last five matches, four of them have been against teams that are in the top four, tied for the top four, and that included this LA Galaxy match, which was unbelievable. There were seven goals scored in the last 20 minutes, and... RGV was actually losing 2-0 at the time and went back and forth and they got the tie. But the fact that they have tied New Mexico United, they beat OKC on the road, they beat Timbers on the road, and that's actually the game they're coming off of. So to say that Rising is playing a good team would be an understatement. One of those matches where I think this is going to become a theme for me the rest of the season is looking at the home field advantage here and really looking for um, the fans who we know bring it every week, uh, especially on like a Friday night, that type of going into the weekend, you know, and, and knowing a team in form is coming in here. That's when you really need your crowd support more than any other week. And with the way that they've kind of been struggling to find their form themselves the past couple of weeks, at least the top caliber form we know they're capable of. And uh, do, do we have any word on Asante if he's going to be back? Um, I have not heard, okay. um, but I think we'll that's, find out soon that's probably the most important thing about the match is, is him coming back because you just really need him in a, in a time like this, I think, uh, especially with some of the things we were talking about earlier. Did, it, did anything jump out for you from what you've seen from them this season and just looking at them statistically? I kind of I looked through a couple of things, and it seems like they're pretty par for the course this year in terms of goals allowed, shot distribution, kind of things, things like that. They just seem like your typical pretty run-of-the-mill USL squad from what I've seen. Yeah, in terms of the overall, we've seen in the beginning of the season, obviously defensively, there was a problem. And then these last few matches, at, well, the last six, um, they had the two goals they allowed, obviously, last week to OC. But with Lubin and with Farrell and Cochran, that, that trio, that defense has been, I mean, Amadou doesn't leave the game most of the time anyway. So those those four, and if is going to be that, that right back, we, we've seen in the last few matches the last month what it does they don't allow goals that's what Sean's preaches building from the back if you don't allow a goal you can't lose so again I think that beginning of the season might be skewing the stats a little bit yeah so again I don't want to say it's time to hit the panic button but you do want to see some results being taken out of these last few matches 
we're moving that way and no one's stopping us yet which is which is the concern but I, but i think we're we're far we're still pretty we can't even see the panic button yet we're still you want to know an even more funny stat i think mm-hmm. so last week we said that if they were to win they would be 4 points off first yeah so ironically if they were to win this week they would only be 3 points out of first after losing last week i mean that just shows how how tight the western conference is and just throw some more stats at you if you want. Eight of the top nine sco- goal-scoring teams in USL are in the West. <laughs> it's it's insane. Uh, Phoenix is tied for 11th right now, which takes them all the way down to 15th with 11 points. They are only six points off the top, which is New Mexico United. So we are a good 8, 12 matches away from finding any parity, if that's going to remain the case, or it might just be like this uh, the rest of the season. But... It, again, I, to look at the Orange County game last week, I think it's the same for this one, where I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how they come out and respond, especially uh, with the way that game went, because I feel like this season it has been more unfortunate results with the way that they have played, in that I felt like they were the better side most nights, but they just weren't able to get the three points, whereas Orange County, I believe that the momentum that Orange County played with offensively, they were really all over them for most of that. So how are they going to respond uh, against Rio Grande Valley? We'll find out on Friday. It's a dollar beer night, I believe, for the first time this year. It is. The first Copper State Friday match of the year. Dollar beer night. So the fans should be crazy. You should expect, anyway. They should. It's it's a good it's a good night for it to, uh, to come up. Jake will be there. We'll be back next week to talk about that match here on the Uprising Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you then. Peace.